0: You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. On this show, we invite experts to take us through their journeys as professionals in their fields. Um, if you have any questions for our panelists, you can make sure to leave them in the comments section and we'll get to them, or leave them in our Inspire platform on the Emoja On today's show, we welcome Manal Maki. Uh, Manal grew up with an affinity for science fiction and a curiosity about everything that moves, um, and she pursued a dual degree in mechanical engineering. And biomedical engineering. Uh, Manal currently works on designing the interior of cars, uh, but more specifically uh, in the engineering aspect of that. So uh, just welcome Manal right now and we'll get into what she's what she does. Assalamu alaikum.
1: Aikum Hello
0: Fatima. How are you? Good, alhamdulillah. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited because we've never had anyone who does this on the show. Um, (laughs) so it's very interesting. I was very interested in your interview, like when we, um, spoke about everything that you do from the beginning to, to end, you know, the, the process of, um, how a car gets put together. And it's just, uh, really incredible to see, uh, how you play a part in that. So can you start off by telling us about your interest in science when you were growing up?
1: Sure. So I would say my decision to study engineering was influenced by quite a few things growing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first was probably my dad. So he was always really into cars and me being the eldest, I was kind of his psychic. So whenever he would go to like auto shows or we would like window shop at dealers or go to car meetups, I would always join him. And he would always point out to me things like the stitching on the car, or even for example, just the, the way the exterior of the car was curving. And that really helped me realize how much craftsmanship goes into cars and just appreciate how they're a work of art. Then yeah. around the same time, yeah, I used to also read a lot of sci-fi novels, so like anything about space travel, they're humans with like cool superpowers. So that really made me have interest in science at a young age. Um, and then as I grew older, I would say what really brought engineering to my radar was actually a assignment in 10th grade, which I know sometimes we don't pay attention to these assignments, but it mm-hmm. actually was... Uh, one, to search a career, and then just do a presentation about it during math class. And that's when I learned about biomedical engineering. Um, so I'd had an interest in biology and science, and then seeing how you can actually use that to, to create all these really new innovations um, really excited me. And I did biomedical engineering for that class, and it ended up leading me to studying it in college.
0: That's amazing. Um, can you tell us about your career background? Uh, with s- specifically your educational background?
1: Yeah, so once I decided I wanted to study engineering, uh, the university I went to had a dual degree program in biomedical engineering and mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked about that is that mechanical engineering gives you like the breadth of really understanding the basis of ecstatics, dynamics, thermodynamics. And then biomedical engineering was really how engineering applies to humans. Because at the end of the day, everything impacts us as human beings. Yeah. So I pursued that dual degree. Um, and then while I was in college, I gained some co-op experience. One of my positions uh, involved 3D printing, which was really neat. So we would 3D print everything from like a control box to an automotive part. And being able to just see something that was on my computer to actually like 3D printing it was really cool. Um, I also had another co-op where I worked with plastic materials and studying, you know, what's the best way to make a part out of plastic.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout your, uh, undergrad, did you at any point think, okay, this is exactly what I want to do, or did you just always yeah. know?
1: <laughs> you know, there's, especially when you take a challenging class, you're like, oh, is this is really what I want to do. But mm-hmm. once you see, you know, like I, I worked, I also did a little bit of research. And once you see how this knowledge you're gaining is being applied, it starts to excite you and see that, wow, this is, you know, something that's really impacting the real world, for example, Um, And so even though maybe I had some doubts along the way, there was always something that I would find, even something small. You know, I talk about my professor to my professor about the work he's doing, and that would excite me also. Um, Or even just sometimes, you know, outside of my coursework, like watching YouTube videos about new technology, all of that would keep me motivated um, and realize that this was the right path for me.
0: Um, And beyond that, I want to get a little bit more advice on, you know, for youth who are struggling in their classes. Mm -hmm. Um, What advice do you have for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, engineering is one of those degrees that involves a lot of hands-on work and you really have Mm -hmm. to practice. So if you're, you know, struggling with your math class, especially at the beginning, I always recommend just putting time to really practice what you do. If You know, do the problem sets that your professor assigned and then also look up some other ones online. Mm -hmm. And also learn from others you know my friends and i what we used to do we used to run a room in the library and we used to actually study together one person would write out a question on the board and then the rest of us would try to answer it and help each other and in that way you realize if you know you might think you know something but if you can explain it to someone then you really know uh, Mm. that you're you know something so just tapping into different resources even going to um, professor's office hours those are really helpful too
0: And you do uh, um, tutoring for kids, right? So I think that goes hand in hand with what you were saying right now. So can you tell us Mm -hmm. about that experience?
1: Yeah, so like I said, you know, you think you know something, but once a student asks you how to teach them, then you're Mm -hmm. really putting into practice your knowledge. So for a few years, I was tutoring both math uh, and science. Um, And then also while I was an undergrad, we used to visit a local high school. uh, And we used to give them some projects to try to, you know, for example, give them pipe cleaners, um, give them glue, scissors, and then tell them to make like a robotic arm, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that
0: was something that was really enjoyable to do. That's so cute. I can imagine little kids trying to understand <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and put together well, what you're giving them. Exactly. And
1: you'll be surprised. Like, they're so creative and you mm-hmm. actually learn. They, kids don't realize, but you learn more from them than they actually learn from yeah. you sometimes.
0: Especially in terms of creativity, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, So when you graduated, um, can you give us that process? Yeah, so after
1: I graduated, so it took about five years to do the dual degree, which really wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, bad, just a few extra semesters. And then I started applying for jobs and you actually, a good time to apply for jobs is before you graduate. So that way you have one once you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, So I applied for jobs and it was a little bit challenging to find one. Uh, I interviewed at quite a few places until I finally um, landed my job in the automotive industry Uh, Working as a design and release engineer.
0: What's your advice for people who are applying for jobs right now and don't have enough to put on their resume? Um, What kind of experience can they get if they're unexperienced?
1: Yeah, so if you, of course, gaining co-op experience is really beneficial. But if you don't have that experience, you know, take even for example, tutoring students. You can Mm -hmm. use that and and word it in a way that you're showing that you're eager to learn, that you're also really good at working with other people. So taking any experience you have and just tailoring it you know, to fit the position that you're applying to. Because it's really, if anything, about the skills that you have.
0: Mm -hmm. Is it, is the job market um, difficult to tap into?
1: I think it really depends on your location. So where I live, there's a lot of automotive jobs. So if you're looking for an automotive job, it'll be a little bit easier. Um, If you're in, you know, looking for a biomedical job, if you, you know, it depends on your location. If you're in an area that has a lot more biomedical jobs, it might be easier But of course, if you're willing to travel for jobs, then you open up a lot more opportunities for yourself.
0: And now we get to the good part, telling us about what you do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So like I said, I work as a design and release engineer. So I work on the interiors of cars. Uh, Design and release engineers can work on anything from the exterior, your electrical parts. So I work specifically on the interior. And I really enjoy working on the interior because I find that's what your customer interacts with the most. The average person maybe doesn't know what underneath their hood or you know some of those very technical um, figures but they do know that when they have dq blizzard that they have a cup holder to put it in or when they're Mm. traveling that they have some place you know to put that in in their trunk area so those are the type of parts i work on and i worked on luxury suvs and then recently um we're starting to work on electric vehicles
0: what's the process of start to finish from the drawing board to Mm -hmm. um, the finished car
1: Yeah. So the nice thing about working as a design and release engineer, you're really involved in the entire development process. So from Mm -hmm. early conception, all the way to when you actually have a launched vehicle. And that development process is, I would say, split into two main parts. So you have your digital phase. And that's when you think of an engineer who's working mostly behind their computer, that's the digital phase. And then you also have the physical phase when you start having physical parts. Mm -hmm. So in the digital phase, This is when you have ideas that are coming um, from your planning team. So they say, okay, we want to include this new USB feature on the car or this new wireless charging. And then you also start working with your styling team. And they say, okay, we want the car parts to look this certain way Mm -hmm. from the artistic side. You work with your testing team that are saying, okay, we have this requirement. This vehicle is going to be sold in an area that experiences high temperatures or it's going to be sold in an area that experiences cold temperatures. So we want to be able to meet those requirements uh, as well, or even safety regulations from the government in terms of airbags. So we take all of those requirements, we take our styling feedback, and that's when we start coming up with our 3D data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this 3D data is essentially just the basic drawings of how these parts are going to look. And so with the digital phase, you keep tweaking and making changes to these parts until you enter your physical phase. Mm-hmm. And then the physical phase is when you actually take your drawings that are on your computer and you start working with your suppliers to create physical parts. So let's say, for example, you're working on a door. So now you'll actually have your uh, plants make the door, and then they'll start making all the other parts. And you do trial uh, trial build. So the trial build would be at a manufacturing plant, and they would start slowly assembling the vehicle. This okay. gives an idea, yeah, for like your assembly line workers how they're going to install the vehicle and any issues that might come up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then for you putting together, so you said that you have to take all of this um, information that's given to you and really make it work within the, within the car in terms of design and functionality. Um, yeah. So can you give us a little bit more about what specifically things that you have to think about or things you have to problem solve um, and what skills are important to have to, to be able to be successful in this?
1: Yeah, so an example would be, let's say you're designing a kick plate. So you have to think about first, how is this kick plate gonna be assembled? Because if you've seen in the movies when they're assembling a car, they do it pretty quickly. And so you have to see, okay, is this part really easy for them to put on? Then you also have to think about a person who's using this kick plate. They're going to be stepping on it, mm-hmm. maybe with high heels, stepping on it as you know, maybe an elderly person as they get in the car. So they're putting some weight on it. So you want to make sure this kick plate isn't breaking, for example. Okay. And let's say you do run into an issue like that. That's when your engineering skills come in. So you have to think, okay, how can we make this part more rigid? Do we need to add more ribs, for example? Um, and it, a lot of times it helps to be creative because sometimes it won't be a simple solution because this part is connected like a puzzle piece to a lot of other parts. Mm. And you have to make sure whatever change you are doing isn't going to negatively impact the other parts. So sometimes you have to really think outside of the box, um, do some benchmarking with other vehicles that have been built and, and get some ideas in that way.
0: Well, how long is the process of working on one car? So if you...
1: I hadn't realized this until I started working, but it actually mm-hmm. starts quite a few years ahead of time. So typically if you're making a change to a vehicle that's an entirely you know, new exterior, new interior, this will take place maybe three, four years ahead oh, of time. Wow. And so this is just early concept. And then slowly you have your trial builds and then you have your actual production. Mm-hmm. So that whole process can take a few years. Um, but then in between, if you're doing something, just minor changes, if you notice sometimes vehicles let's say from 2021, 2022, there's not a lot of major changes. Mm. That'll usually be some quick updates that don't have as long as a life cycle.
0: And if there's any different regulations or things changed, um, you can't make last minute changes on the car, right?
1: Yeah, so typically uh, those are communicated at least a little bit ahead of time. And then Mm -hmm. you can plan for those changes because it is a little bit difficult kind of in one day to make a change. But sometimes you do have some urgent items that come up And this is one being able to communicate really well with your supplier and your plant comes in very handy.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Something that uh, we spoke about a little bit that was interesting is that this field is very male dominated, right? Um, Like, let alone you being a a hijab, uh, wearing. Muslim woman within this industry, but it is a male-dominated industry. So, can you speak to that a little bit? Um, you know your experience with this, and um, do you feel intimidated at times? Um, how do you walk into, you know, your your um, office, and how do you cooperate with with others um, in this in this kind of industry?
1: Right. Yeah. So. This actually starts from when you're in college. You notice there's a bit of a discrepancy, let's say, between you know, females and males that are studying engineering. Um, mm-hmm. And then especially it becomes noticeable in the workplace. But I think whether you know, you're a woman or a man, as long as you, you, know, you try your best to carry yourself you know, and, and in a good way and have built good relationships with people, it really does help you. Yeah. Um, and, and just being confident that you know, you, you've studied engineering and you have the experience mm-hmm. So having the confidence to voice your opinion and say, okay, this is a good design change. This is not a good design change. And always having the logic to, to back it up will really gain the respect of the people around you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and have you seen anyone else who wears a hijab within, <laughs> within your office uh, spaces?
1: I spotted one person when I first started. And mm-hmm. I think that was it. Um, especially, you know, right now we're working remotely. So I, I'm not sure if anyone else has joined. But even when I went to the plant for the first time to support the vehicle build, you could really notice that I was the only person, you know, Mm -hmm. visibly Muslim.
0: That's amazing. Um, I feel like this kind of experience is important to highlight because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times um, people get discouraged of entering these types of careers because of that reason, right? right? So what advice do you have for girls who are, are considering this as a career?
1: yeah. You know, one thing that helps is that the more of us that do it, the easier it becomes for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And like I said, just, you know, believing in the skills that you have, that knowledge that you've gained and just putting your best forward, you know, and and standing up for any principles you have, you'll be able to succeed um, and and you'll be able to do well just like anyone else.
0: Inshallah. Uh, How has Islam helped you on your road to success?
1: Yeah. So for me, you know, Islam is a lifestyle. And one thing that I always, you know, think about is that Islam places a lot of emphasis on akhlak, on you know, morality and being people that have upright character. So mm-hmm. especially when you work in a corporate setting and you know, people, it's hard sometimes when you're working on these issues to forget that there's, for example, another person behind the screen. And so yeah. Islam is always a great reminder for me to always, you know, emphasize building really good relationships with the people that I work with because having good relationships with people that makes it easier to communicate, makes it easier to solve issues. And even more so, Islam gives me strength, because especially as someone who wears hijab, you know, Islam teaches me how to set boundaries and how I want to be treated, and then also how to treat others. So even if that entails, you know, not shaking someone's hand, for example, Mm -hmm. making that choice. Uh, Or even when I was working in the manufacturing plant, there was a certain dress code. We had to wear like a short sleeve company shirt. So it gave me the strength to communicate with my management that, hey, I, of course, respect, you know, the stress code and I understand, you know, this is part of the company safety policy. And so just, but at the same time, you know, I I would like to wear, let's say, a long sleeve shirt underneath um, or Mm -hmm. wear a shirt that's a little bit looser. So it gave me the strength to be able to communicate that um, and, you know, be able to still maintain my principles while also doing my job in a safe and good way.
0: Yeah. And that's amazing. That takes a lot of courage and strength.
1: Yeah. But like I said, yeah, the more people that do it, it does become easier. And Mm -hmm. from my experience, most people are really understanding and kind. You just have to know how to communicate to them and be open and honest about, you know, how you feel.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we're intimidated of being, um, you know, different, like too different. Right. We're scared of that. um, And we worry that they're going to change the the way that they look at us in our work. So Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and
1: just remembering, you know, each person at the end of the day has something that makes them different. mm -hmm. And so you know, maybe they you might not see that, but everyone has their own challenges, and and they're trying to stand out in their own way. So, you know, knowing that we're all struggling in some way makes it a lot easier too.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Um, and um, another question that comes up is, what skills are important to have as an engineer?
1: Yeah, I would say always um, being creative, like I said, or thinking outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just trying to, you know, in your undergraduate studies, excelling at math, at physics, chemistry, Mm -hmm. because if you have these, you know, solid foundation uh, of skills, it will help you later on. I might not be using calculus, for example, to solve a problem, but that logical way of thinking very much helps you when you're trying to work through an issue because solving an issue is just, you have to find your root cause and do your analysis and then you need to come up with some countermeasure proposals, and then you need to test these countermeasures. So that Mm -hmm. method of thinking you really learn in in your experience and your studies, and that helps you as you also work uh, as a professional. And then another good skill is being able to communicate in different ways. So with my job at least, I have to work with people who are in Japan, for example. I have to work with people who are in Vietnam and China, and then also the US. And we don't always communicate the same language verbally, So trying to rely on other methods such as, you know, creating a PowerPoint presentation Mm -hmm. or utilizing some of the features on Zoom to be able to communicate and get your message across. Having that skill is very helpful, too.
0: And that's an interesting story. Um, Can you tell us a story of how you communicate with people who don't speak English?
1: Yeah. So at the beginning, you know, it was a little bit different. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to start learning Japanese. But I (laughs) only managed to learn how to count to 10. And that was about it. Um, but like I said, you, you begin to realize if you rely on other methods of communication. So, you know, using visuals, or sometimes they will even just pull up our 3d CAD data and I'll point to something and then I'll have them annotate just to make sure we're all understanding, Uh, or even, yeah. Or even we created, um, a list of all of our open issues that we're working on. And then we share that after every meeting. So they have, you know, something written that they can Mm -hmm. reference and make sure that they're understanding the the ideas that we're trying to get across
0: so it's more like you're taking the um of visual um teaching in order for them to be able to digest the information that you're giving them
1: exactly and even you know if it's maybe not someone who you know across the world even if it's someone just at the plant it helps when you have a physical part to look at Sometimes they say, oh, we can't install this part. And to me, I'm like, but it looks okay on data until you, for example, go to the plant and you see yeah. a physical part and you together try installing it. Then you realize, okay, no, there is an issue at hand.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's also very interesting. <laughs> um, what is your favorite part of the job? Ooh, my favorite part... I would say the fact that each day is a little bit different.
1: Mm -hmm. So, you know, and and like I said, each phase of of building the vehicle is a little bit different. Um, So sometimes you get to meet with people from all different teams. I'll have a meeting with someone from the safety team and then I'll meet someone um, from our testing team. And having that interaction with all different kinds of people is something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would say my favorite part overall was probably the first time that I actually worked on the vehicle in the manufacturing plant. Because you realize in the span of you know just overnight it was about i would say from 10 p.m at night to the morning yeah. you go from having just pieces of metal pieces of plastic that were you know just each individual pieces to being assembled as a puzzle and then in the span of that shift seeing the actual physical car driving off of the assembly line mm-hmm. it's almost like seeing something coming to life and then after that vehicle starts driving driving off the line seeing all the different engineers and assembly line workers that were working on it come together and just seeing, you know, all of their work, what it led to at the end.
0: Is it a very time-demanding job, would you say? Um, how is your work-life balance and how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, I think, so, you know, some days there's it's good to admit that there's a little bit more balance than other days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really depends on what phase you are of the vehicle being built. You know, sometimes, especially during the physical phase, you have some issues that come up that you really need to resolve quickly. Um, Because any issue you fix, you also need to get the cost for it. You need to consider the timing of this change. How long is it going to take for the supplier to make the part and deliver it? So on those days, it can be a little bit stressful. Or even when you're supporting at the manufacturing plant and, you know, you're supporting some night shift, you don't sleep all night that can be a little bit stressful, but it has its ups and downs. And I find in each you know, phase, there's something that you can enjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's always a lot to learn from that challenge. And so in terms of maintaining a balance, I think what really helps is planning ahead. So even just having mm-hmm. like a little routine for yourself that you say, okay, I'm gonna wake up, let's say an hour early, but I'm gonna journal, or I'm gonna okay. you know, just spend some time with family members. And even sometimes after a long day of work, it's easy to just say, I'd like to sit on my phone and just scroll endlessly. But if you plan ahead that, okay, I'm going to try on Monday to just meet with one friend after work, or I'm going to attend a yoga class. And once you finish work, you have something, you know, to look forward to. And it also leads to that balance between work and things outside of work.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Manal, what's your long-term goal
1: Yeah. So in your career? <laughs> Yeah, so within my career, for sure, I, you know, I'd very much love to continue to learn and, you know, to grow within the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I really enjoy, especially for my co-op, I really enjoyed additive manufacturing uh, and materials. So being able to perhaps uh, work on my master's degree or just learn more in that area. Because engineering, although it's a career, but it's also, it's, You know, it's a passion, something that you both outside of work and inside of work, you can always, you know, learn about and continue to grow in.
0: Um, Do you have advice for choosing, I don't know what it's called, like a subsection or a uh, which part of an engineering to get into?
1: Yeah, so there are many different types of engineering. So mechanical, electrical, software, chemical. One thing that helps is in your undergrad degree, there's usually a beginning course that gives you an introduction to all these different fields. And so just, you know, using that as a time to learn a little bit about every field is helpful. Also asking people, even you can Mm -hmm. use LinkedIn as a resource, go on LinkedIn, see, you know, let's say I'm interested in working in aerospace, see people that work at NASA, for example, and send them some messages, ask them some questions you have, Mm -hmm. that helps you gauge, you know, what does this field really entail? Or even go to companies that you're interested in and look at their job descriptions and say, does this interest me? Or does it not interest me? And just you know, being open minded and willing to try different things, even on campus, if you have some research lab, um, getting involved in one research lab might make you realize, oh, hey, like I really like working with electrical components. So maybe mm-hmm. I like electrical engineering, or I really like programming and coding. So maybe software engineering is a better route for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, are there specific uh, subjects that you have to be actually like, Excel at um, or do you can you get by and get into um, maybe a field of engineering that you're interested in and passionate about without being too great at one of these subjects like math and different types mm-hmm. of science?
1: Yeah, so I think math is a fundamental for being an engineer um, but like you know if it's something you struggle with, don't let that hold you back. Like I said, mm-hmm. try to use different resources, different ways of learning. Um, and yeah your math, your physics, your chemistry, um, your programming classes, really, depending on what area of engineering you go to, mm-hmm. those will help you uh, in excelling as an engineer. But if you have most engineers, we do struggle in school, and that's okay. Because that sometimes what's more important than you know your exam at the at your grade on your exam or you know being able to get the answer to the equation is sometimes just that process of trying to figure it out. Yeah. I recall in some of my exams, the answer itself would only be one point for us to show our work would actually be the majority of the points mm-hmm. just doing that process of thinking uh, is is where the main learning hel-
0: is So it's really more about that critical thinking or training yeah. your mind to to problem solve Exactly mm-hmm. and that's very interesting um what is uh, we're at the final like for three or four minutes of our show. So I wanted to get your final piece of advice for our listeners. It could be for Mm -hmm. maybe the future engineers out there who are listening um, or just for the youth in general.
1: Yeah, so one thing I would say perhaps, you know, in general is that childlike curiosity that you have when a kid, as a kid, don't lose it because that Mm -hmm. curiosity, both within engineering and other fields, really helps you to, to grow and think in an innovative way. And always look for inspiration in places maybe you might not expect. I know for me, sometimes I look at my grandma, for example, although she hasn't formally studied engineering, seeing how, you know, she works in her garden. She'll go to a garage sale and find, you know, some things that she can put in her garden to let the tomato, uh, tomato grapevines grow on. That sort of innovation inspires me. So just always Mm -hmm. being curious and open to learning new things um, and trying new things and, Seeking inspiration all different places will is very beneficial how
0: else do you get your inspiration
1: i would say so in addition to the people around me especially Mm -hmm. at work i'm always trying to ask questions from those that have more experience um i would also say just from reading i really enjoy reading Mm -hmm. uh even just watching you know there's there's really great shows that talk about design for example and just watching those shows uh or even just new experiences that all helps you to get inspiration or just being, I love to, you know, do things outdoors, just sometimes mm-hmm. walking outside and talking to people, people who don't necessarily work in your field is also a great way to get some inspiration.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Manel. Um, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with?
1: I would say uh, for anyone who's thinking of being an engineer, yes. just realize <laughs> that there's an engineer within all of us. And we're all. I find that engineering, in a way, so it makes us human. We turn knowledge into something useful. Uh, so, don't stray away from it. And uh, and I'm sure anyone who follows this path will do great in it.
0: Thank you so much, Manal for sharing your um, journey and for sharing your um, very, very like <laughs> amazing career with us. Um, it's you. something we haven't had before, and I'm sure that people are going to be inspired by this, inshallah. Thank you. You were just listening to the Umentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, uh, make sure to listen on our Umentor app or on our YouTube channel or either SoundCloud or iTunes. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in.